Is this weather crazy? I mean, I, you know, you get it. It is, you know, the nice thing about having it cold is that when you get up to like the, the upper 30s, you're like, wow, it's so warm out. But um, sorry about this. I had something a little bit on my throat. But yeah, this weather is crazy. Um, but I'm thankful. I'm thankful that we have a place to meet. It's pretty warm in here, right? Especially if you're having hot flashes. Not me. Sing with me. <clears throat> oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Father, we praise you and give you honor and glory. I ask that the Spirit of the Lord is here amongst us. Empower us, set us on fire to come and sit at the feet of Jesus. And may we glorify you through our lives. We ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. There are some amazing people. Oh, what do you want to... Oh, the notes? Do you want me to... All right, I got to... I'm going to remind you kiddos, 17 and under, that in your bulletin, there are some notes. And if you fill them out and take them to that grumpy old man over here, Bill Merman, he will allow you to have a piece of candy, probably try to bite your hand off because he's very grumpy. There are a lot of amazing people that have lived within our history. And I was, I was reading an article from a newspaper that had some of the major the major influencers or the major, majorly amazing people in our history, in our most recent history, that have had disabilities. And some of them I had not heard of, like I didn't know who Ralph Braun, Braun was or, or John Hockenberry or uh, Frida Kahlo. I didn't know who that was, maybe ignorantly. But I, if you've ever read any of the story, or if you even remember when Franklin Delano Roosevelt was around, you know that he had contracted a disease called what? Polio. But did the world know that he had polio at the time? No. He hid it because he thought that that would be a sign of vulnerability, weakness, but for years he had polio and he would have people lift him up and he could barely walk from, the, from his chair to the stand and he would prop himself up for a long time leading this nation, not just as president of the United States, but through our second world war. Do any of you know who was the first 
born blind and deaf person to earn a college degree? Helen Keller. Amazing that she was an author, a political activist, and a lecturer, being born both blind and deaf. Do you know which musician, which has recorded more than 30 of the U.S. top 10 hits, signed his first record label at age 11, but was blind? Stevie Wonder. Born blind. Recorded all those hits. And one that I still think is amazing, even though I don't know how much we agree on things, even though he's way, way smarter than me, is a man that at age 21 uh, was diagnosed with ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. He was one of the world's, at that time he was already gaining renown as one of the world's greatest physicists. Yet his disease had taken him all the way to the point where he could not communicate on his own via his body. What is his name? Stephen Hawking. There are amazing people. And, and despite their disabilities... They are doing great things. There's one in particular that I want to share. It wasn't on this list from this article, but I remember watching a video of this guy's testimony. And I, I want to, if you can go to that picture. Does anybody know who this is? What's his name? Nick? Yeah, Vujicic, right? He's, he is, well, Vujicic, I think it is. He's, he's a Serbian. But he was born in Australia. And if you go to the next slide, this man was born without arms nor legs. He had, well, that's sort of an appendage that he has down there. Uh, but for the first few days of his life, from his autobiography, his mother refused to see him or hold him while the nurse held him in front of her, and she did not want him. But she and her husband eventually accepted that her son's condition was what it was. And they said, God must have a plan for our son. He had also two, so he has two small deformed feet, Eventually, they were fused together, and, he, and that had to be surgically changed. He was bullied as a kid to the point where he actually attempted suicide as a teenager. So in his teenage years, his mother showed him a newspaper article of a man dealing with a severe disability when he, when he was 17, and he started, he was so inspired that he started speaking at his prayer groups. 
And he started teaching himself things that you just wouldn't imagine are, are doable. I want you to look up Nick Vujicic online sometime. The guy will go up to a diving board, jump off, and swim to the edge. I don't even want to do that. There are videos of him playing soccer. Now, soccer are with feet, but they also use their head, and and you'll see him, like, heading the ball, and the guy is amazing. This, in 2005, Vujicic founded Life Without Limbs, which is an international nonprofit organization and ministry, and in 2007, he founded Attitude is Altitude. And his main push in ministry is, I know things are rough at times. I know at times you feel broken. But God still has a plan for you. And I'm inspired by stories like this. And it also reminds me, man, when I think life is bad, there's people that have way better attitudes than me that face way higher challenges than I do. But I'm going to take a U-turn here. And I'm going to ask you a question. With all of those amazing people, Nick included, is this God's ideal? No. You can say no. This is not God's ideal. I, now maybe I'm wrong, which I don't think I am wrong, but when God comes back again and we are restored, he will not resurrect if he's dead or, you know, Nick will not be like that. It is not the ideal. Now, it is doable because his attitude is amazing, but it is not the ideal. And a lot of things that we don't see, if you watch the behind-the-scenes videos of him, we see, we see amazing things happening with him, but he still has to be lifted into wheelchairs. You know, there are still challenges he faces because of having disabilities. I'll get to that in a minute. Let's go back to our text. In 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 7, it says this. We're, we're going to read a few texts, so, so have your Bibles ready. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them, all of them in all men. Now to each one of the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Everybody has a gift, but it's for the common good. Jump over to Romans chapter 3 because, I mean chapter 12. I just want you to, to read this also with me. Because if you remember when we were studying Romans, 
It's believed that Romans and Corinthians were sort of parallel books, written similar time. And so there's some similar themes in them. Romans 12, verses 3 through 8, it says this. For by grace, by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the measure of the faith of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace God's given us. If a man's gift is prophecy, let him use it to the proportion of his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Ironically, those gifts, which we think sort of should be generalized gifts, you know, like giving, everybody should give, there's leanings towards certain people. Some people are gifted more to give generously. Some people are gifted in teaching. Go to Roman, I mean, back to second, uh, 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to start in verse 12. And it says this, starting in verse 12. The body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts and though all the parts, though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jew or Greek, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. How many spirits? One spirit, how many bodies? One body. Now the body is not made up of wait, the the body is not made up of one part but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not the hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. Do you understand that logic? Just because he doesn't think he's part of the body, he's still part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, if you could imagine that, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part where would be the body? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. And he continues, because he's like, maybe you don't get this. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are 
unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that all the parts should have equal concern for each other. I'm going to stop there. I want to give you the context of why he has to bring this up. Now, their context is a little bit different, but people were boasting about their gifts. They were saying, well, we're of a better faction because we have the gift of tongues. Or we, no, 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 we have the gift of prophecy. And they would say, well, I'm an apostle of, do you remember in the beginning of 1 Corinthians? Well, I'm an apostle of Paul. Well, I am of Apollos. Well, I'm an apostle of Jesus. Drop mic. And he says, you're all sort of wrong here. Your motives are wrong. And if you remember, when you jump to chapter 13, he says, I don't care what gifts you have. If you do not have love, clanging cymbal, you're just making noise. You got nothing, right? But he says here, everybody in here has a function that is necessary. Necessary. Now, I've asked a couple of guys to come up here. So, Hunter and Oliver, could you come up here for a second? And I'd like you to stand over here. We're going to see how coordinated these guys are. Okay, so Oliver, I need you to stand over to the side for, for a second. And Hunter, you're going to go first. I'll probably give you the easier one, all right? Um, Hunter might be a, a little bit challenged with this, you know. It's not his fault. <clears throat> so uh, all I'm going to ask him to do is to walk over here Peel this cutie and eat some of it. You don't have to eat the whole thing. Even though they're, they're delicious, aren't they? They are. But all you have to do is walk over here, take it from my hand, and eat some of it. Just watch them. Let's see. We actually practiced this last, I mean, earlier today. Oh, this is peeling way better. Maybe not. How is it? Is it good? All right. Yay. Can you give him a hand? That was amazing. All right. Go stand over there. Okay. You are going to do the same thing. But you cannot use your legs at all. Feet, legs. To come over here and... Wait, wait, wait. Actually, before you do that, I will challenge you with a piece of candy included later if you want to take a, a little bit more of a challenge than that. What do you think? You want to hear it first? Okay. What he has to do is you have to walk, your feet have to walk that way, but your, the rest of your body has to come this direction to get this. Okay? So they got to fight each other. Is that reasonable? Okay. 
So let's see you do it without the, you got to crawl over here, yeah. Okay. Huh, I wouldn't have done it that way. Nice. Wait, wait, he's not done yet. We can't see, I want to see if he can open this thing. He's done it before. Nice. Okay, now you can give him a hand, and you can stand back up. But can I ask you, even though you normally don't think about this, how many body parts did they use to perform this simple task? Lots, right? Name some. It's okay. Just name some. Okay, your brain first. You have to use your brain, which that controls everything. Okay, feet, all the way, legs. Here, oh yeah, you had to hear my instructions. Eyes, your nose. Right, did you smell it first? Okay, he did smell it first. Hands. For a simple task of peeling a fruit and, well, coming over to it, they used lots of their body. Was it any more challenging doing it that way? A little bit, right? Can you imagine how much more challenging if he was trying to run that way, but trying to... You can sit down. But don't we do this with the body? We are one body... who sometimes function as individuals that are not working collectively as a body. Actually, at times, we are like that when we fight, when one part of the body disagrees with the other part of the body, and we say, "Uh uh-uh, we ain't going to do that. I'm going this way, and you're going that way. And nothing gets accomplished within our body. Is that the ideal of what God has planned for us as a body? Here's the thing, and, I, and I'm, I'm not going to speak real strongly, but, but I'm, going to, I'm going to say this. Do you believe God has given you a gift? Hopefully everybody says yes, because God has given everybody in here at least one gift. If you do not use that gift for the body, no do. What do we call it when you don't use a muscle? What happens to it? Atrophy. If you don't do, you can't do later. Then you have to relearn the whole process again. Actually, and this is where I will st- maybe say something a little bit stronger. If you have a gift or gifts and you do not use it for the body, like if I have an appendage that I do not use, that it doesn't, it says, no, I don't want to work for the body, all it does is suck nutrients from the body. 
That's its purpose. Is to take from the body just for itself. I don't know, I've only been here a year. But I know, sad to say, at some of the other congregations I've worked at, that the people that do not use their gifts, meaning they, they don't contribute to the body, are usually the worst complainers. They're the ones that attack the church the most and say, well, you guys aren't doing this, 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 this. And if we were so bold to say, well, where are you contributing here? Well, that's not the point. No, no, it is the point. Because if you are contributing to the body, that's what you want to see is the health of the body. We don't do this. I don't say, you know, this hand hopefully doesn't say to this hand, you know, you're not smart. You're not doing what you should be doing. And so I don't take a knife and try to do this. Or maybe, hit, I guess it would be this way because of stabbing in the back. Or maybe right in the front. But we do that in the church, don't we? But if we are working with a collective good, a common good, as a body, we start moving in rhythm. My hand wants my foot to thrive. We want my body, I want my whole body to feel good. And if you know from working out or, or doing some, that sometimes you'll have a pain here or something's wrong here, but I'll feel it here. And I'm like, oh, I think, I, I think there's something wrong here. And somebody like a physical therapist say, no, that doesn't seem right. Do this, this. No, I think you've got something up here or back here. And I'm like, really? So the issue is here, but I feel it here. Because the whole body is affected if part of the body is hurting or not doing what it's supposed to be doing. And if the whole body is not engaged, this is what happens. The body becomes survival mode. I mean, think about somebody, let's think about people with, with disabilities. You know, our bodies are made to, to impact lives, right? To serve people, to impact lives. And we want to do this. I, I know that in your hearts, most of you people want to serve people. That you love people and you'd love to do good things for them. But you know, even without a disability, do you know like when you are really, really sick? Like when you're like vomiting and, you know, you have a really bad flu. Do you feel like serving other people? No. You're on survival mode. I just want to make it through this. I hate these dry heaves. You know, you drink a little water and then all that comes out is water and you know how it feels. I don't want to serve anybody but myself. I just need to survive. And maybe that's where some of our churches are at. We're just in survival mode. Okay, we just have to get people that will run the service, that will run the community service. And so our nominating committees are in survival mode. It's not gift-based a lot of times. I'm not saying here. I'm saying as a church. 
a lot of times we're not gift-based in our nominating committee. We're just like, oh, really, Patricia? I know she's just willing. Let's just ask her. And we end up doing that a lot of times, is we will, we know that, you know, Pam over there, she won't say no, so maybe we'll ask her to, to take this. That doesn't happen, right? Or does it? But then guess what happens? People get burnt out. And they see this as just a utilitarian body. I mean, I'm looking out here and I see, my, I see people that have served this church for years. And if you are honest, there are times where you've gotten tired. But God is saying, I don't want you to have to do every, I don't want four people to have to do, to run this church. I've given everybody a gift. So if you have breath, you have a gift. So I want to go through this list real quick. First one is everybody, every body part belongs, okay? So if you are here, you belong to part of the body. You're part of the body. Number two, every part of the body has a function and is made to serve the body. Okay? Not serve yourself. The hand, you know, if you, can you go back a couple slides? Remember high five emoji? That's not how we're built. You know, and, and ironically, they gave him mouth and legs. But, you know, he should really be walking around with his fingers. We're not built this way. Okay, go back to the, sorry, I know you're going to have to go through a couple of those. But it's to serve the whole. And third is every part of the body needs the other parts of the body. That's what 1 Corinthians 12 said. Everybody needs the other parts. We need you. It said in the text, it says, the ones that we think are weaker are the ones that are indispensable. You are needed. You are part of this body. And so if we want to get out of just survival mode, oh, we just want our church to last another 20 years and people not to die off and whatever. No, if we want this to be a thriving church, we work as a body. I want to just go through these super quick. Some of the, the gifts here. In Romans chapter 12, prophecy, teaching, giving, mercy, serving, exhortation, leadership. I want to say this. This is not everybody's gift. I've been at churches where they said, we want to teach everybody how to teach Bible studies, which I think is awesome to, to aspire to get everybody where they can teach people about Scripture. I will tell you this. There are some people that are not gifted in teaching. That is scriptural. I know I didn't get, get an amen, but there are people not gifted in teaching. There are some people... I would go so far that I don't know if I would want them to 
teach. I just, I wouldn't want them teaching. That doesn't mean that they're not gifted. They're just not gifted in that area. There are some people that are not gifted even in mercy or in giving or, or leadership. You know, can I pick on you just for a second? I, you know, I will. But it's, it's the general her because she is a principal with a teacher's heart. What I feel so sad about in our system at times is that because somebody is a successful teacher, we automatically think that they will be a successful principal. So when you get to a certain age or point in your life, you've been working for 30 years, now you must grow up and graduate to principal status, which is leadership. Does, is every teacher gifted in leadership? No. And at times, is it not pull, like pulling teeth? Like, ugh, ah, ah. Yeah, ah. Go to the next one. Words of wisdom, words of knowledge, gifts of healing, discernment, interpretation of tongues and tongues there, miracles, faith, prophecy. By the way, did you notice that faith is one of them? You think everybody should be gifted with faith. No, there, is, there are levels of faith. And that text could be, in the, the Greek word, it could mean faithfulness also. And then later on it says in verse 28, apostle, teacher, healings, administration, prophet. There is a gift of prophecy, and it did not end in 1915. Miracles helps tongues. So you might ask yourself, how can I find my gift? I don't know what I can contribute to the body. And that's a valid question for everybody. If anybody totally knows exactly all of their gifts, man, you are brilliant. Because I wrestle with that still. So the first thing you do is you pray and you study you need to know what are the gifts? What are the possibilities? God, what are the possibilities? All I know, though, is that what God has planned is that ministry to the body should fire you up. It should not drag you down. You should be like, oh, I got to do this again. All right, man, this is the only year. I am not, I'm telling the nominating committee, not again. Because I hate teaching Sabbath school. It shouldn't be that way. For the ones that are gifted in it, they were like, oh man, I can't wait to teach my kids this. You know that, teachers. You know how you get fired up about certain things. Number two, ask the people that are closest to you. Don't ask the nominating committee, all right? I, I, I'm, I'm thankful for the process we have. But don't ask them because they'll say, well, you're gifted in this, this, this. But if they don't really know you, I would ask the people that know you. Ask your spouse. Ask your parents if they are still around. Because your parents sometimes have a keen eye. And they say, you know, I remember when you used to try to teach your brother how to put lipstick on. No, <laughs> how you used to try to, you would play school. 
because we knew you were gifted in teaching or you were gifted in music. We knew that gift about you, but you had to discover it on your own. Ask those people that are close to you, what do you think my gift is? What is it? Number three, assess openly. And what I mean, because I didn't have enough space to put it in there, with an open mind. Now, this I want to do. Can I have the pathfinders? Please come up here. You're not going to pass this out until at the end, so you've got to stand in the back and, and pass this out, okay, to people. Come, come here, Pathfinders. Come on, everybody, Pathfinder that's out there. This is a spirit. There are tons of them out there. Spiritual gift assessments, okay? Here, I'm going to have you, okay, you two divide these and conquer, but don't pass them out right now because I'm, I'm almost done. So just divide them up. Go to the back, and then when we're done with the sermon, you pass them out to everybody. There are tons of assessments out there. I printed enough paper to probably kill a couple of trees. I ask you to take the assessment just for yourself. Wouldn't you like to discover maybe potentially who you are? Oh, I'm not saying it's a perfect assessment, but it would be good to know which direction. And fourth, the best way to learn is to serve. And you try something, and you're like, I will never do that again. Well, you know, I am not gifted in that. And you're like, this one? I like this one. Man, I would do that again. I really love kids. Or on the flip side, I can't stand kids. Right? It's okay not to like kids, all right? No, I mean, no, you should love kids. But, you know, not all of us are gifted to work with kids. Right, Pat? No, I'm just joking. (laughs) Pat, you're amazing. Serve. Serve. And you'll learn. You can't just do the assessment. You have to serve and try it out. To end, there's a story. It's a parable, so I want to read it. Because somebody actually from Wheaton, Illinois, which isn't too far from here, right? Wrote this parable. And I just thought it was a really cool parable. Once upon a time, there was a famous house builder and painter. After designing the homes... He would then build and paint them. As a painter, he was such an amazing artist that he didn't even use drop cloths. He had such a steady hand, and he was finicky about using good brushes and quality paint. So there were, n- there were no drips, just tight trim lines. The craftsman always designed, built, and painted the homes by himself with his own hands, But then one day, bing, he had a remarkable idea. As he was standing by one of his houses, he saw a bunch of kids walking home from the local elementary school. They were minding their own business, laughing and carrying their backpacks until he shouted, hey, kids. When they looked up, startled and awestruck because they knew about his amazing skills, he asked them the surprising question. 
how would you like to do some painting? Uh, what do you mean? I'll tell you what, he said. I'll give you each a bucket of paint and a brush, and you can paint my new house. Do you want to give it a try? For real? They squealed with delight. Is that a squeal? For real? The painter nodded as he said, yep, for real. Cool, they said. He opened the back of his truck and pulled out loads of brushes and paint cans and then pried open the paint cans. They started splashing paint on the garage door. They got paint on the sidewalk too and some even on each other. But they also got a lot of paint on the house, all different colors, especially the parts of the house under four feet high. As other kids came by on the sidewalk, they said, hey, can we do that too? And they joined in. In about an hour, the first floor was almost all covered in paint. The house painter's neighbors came over after dinner and took it all in. What's going on? They asked. Another blurted, look, I got to be honest. Your house looks like a tornado ripped through Sherwin-Williams. What were you thinking? Well, the house painter said, of course I could have painted this house all by myself, but I've always built and painted houses in order to bring joy to others. So based on that goal, this is the most beautiful house I've ever made. Hmm. Then dozens of their friends will want to come and see this house. They'll bring their friends to show what they've painted. And each one will say, this is the home of the master painter and builder, but it's also our house. In the same way, when God the Father, the master creator and painter of this world, pours out his Holy Spirit to his followers, he hands every one of us a can of paint, and a brush, and he says, go to work, use your gifts, and let's paint a beautiful house for the world. I invite you to stand and sing the closing hymn with me. Give of your best to the master, hymn number 572.
God in salvation's full armor, join in the battle for truth. Get Before we conclude, I really do want to challenge you. For you, I want to challenge you to take the assessment. I want to challenge you to ask those closest to you, what are my gifts? What do you see? I want to challenge you to act, to serve, and to discover about you what gets you going. And just do it. And as... Aaron's blessing went upon the congregation. He would say, Yavareka Adonai Vayishmareka, Yaer Adonai Panav Alecha Vichuneka. Yisa Adonai Panav Alecha Vayasem Lecha Shalom. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance toward you and give you peace. Father, I just want to ask that everybody in here, that you inspire them, that they have a purpose here, that you want to feed them through the gift that you've given them. And may you be glorified through the body that has many parts. We ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Happy Sabbath, everybody. There is potluck today, so stay and eat. Except for Elvis. No, it's not.